Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, MD Nation! Welcome back to the show. We got the Week 8 recap on Doc today, along with the waiver wire report at the end of the show, so you are not going to want to miss a thing. Of course, once again, I was away this weekend, so that means we're going to have a full recap show with the Waiver Wire Report. So we have a lot of content to get to in today's show, so we're not going to waste too much time on the intro other than to say, make sure you're following me along on Twitter for those player update news notifications at MDSFF Show, on Facebook at MDFF Show, and of course, make sure you're checking out the website, www.mdffshow.com for all the new player rankings as they will be out on Thursday for Week 9, and of course, all the new episodes that maybe you missed in the past and be sure to check us out on any one of your favorite podcast apps apple Podcasts, google play stitcher spotify spreaker anywhere you like to go the md's fantasy football show is widely available to you so keeping my promise we're not going to waste too much time here we got a lot to talk about as week eight was a very exciting week and a lot of things to go over moving forward and of course we have a pretty good waiver wire segment again at the end of this show just like last week so we're going to go ahead we're going to drop that news break and then we'll get on the other side with kicking off with the games with the london game on the other side the md's fantasy football show is proud to become the newest member of the belly up sports network the belly up sports network is a rising star in the sports industry After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment, bedsheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bedsheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. 
With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. So like I said, our first game we're going to recap. We go across the pond to the London game, which we had the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams in this one. And this one game had some surprises for us, also had some disappointments. We'll start off with the Rams side of the ball since that's more where the fantasy uh, relevancy was in this game. Jared Goff had a good fantasy game. Didn't have a great NFL game once again. And looking that bad against Cincinnati Bengals is a little worrisome. Only 17 of 31. Now it happened to go for 372 yards and two touchdowns because Cooper Cup was breaking everything thrown his way in this game. It was absolutely ridiculous. We saw Brandon Cooks go down because of a concussion injury in this one. So that made way for Josh Reynolds who came in with three catches for 73 yards and a touchdown. Nothing a fantasy note there. Good chance Brandon Cooks is back next week. We'll have to keep our eye on the injury report, but even if he's not, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup would be the two guys that you would want to play. Cooper Cup just got everything. Seven catches, 220 yards, a touchdown on 10 targets. Cincinnati Bengals could do nothing to stop him. And the Rams, frankly, while they didn't put up a ton of points on the Bengals, didn't have to do a lot in this game in order to win. So that's pretty much what it kind of came down to here. That's why Robert Woods wasn't force-fed the ball. He only had two catches for 36 yards on two targets. It just, with Cooper Cup having the day that he had, there wasn't a lot to go around. So sure, it's definitely disappointing, especially him do that. And then, of course, Brandon Cook's getting the injury. So you got goose egg out of Brandon Cook's this week. And this is an offense that, frankly, you're going to have to pick your spots where it's not going to be so much do you have a great matchup. It's going to be are they playing against a team who can put up points and force them to be aggressive and have to actually play their game for all four quarters? Because right now, Sean McVay with this Rams team is looking for any reason to not have to play his starters or overly be aggressive in any one of these games. The only time the Rams seem to go all out is if they're actually pushed onto the playing field by another team. But if they have a decent enough lead, they have like a two-score lead, especially early on in the football game, they pretty much do everything in their power to just hang back and play conservative and not give away the ball game. And that seems to be how they've been playing all season long. And that has been directly tied into Todd Gurley not having the success that he should have had in this game and quite frankly has had, should have had this season thus far. He has looked fine when he's out in the field. Everyone keeps trying to make a big deal of his injury. They're not being forthright with his injury. He's more hurt than you guys think. That's not the case. The only thing that his injury may be playing a role in is the fact that the Rams don't want to overwork him. And that's been, that's been clear. They look for every excuse in the book to not give him too many touches throughout the ball game. And if you're a Todd Gurley owner, it's been driving you nuts because he's, he's been, it's been kind of an oxymoron. He's scoring in almost every single game. So because he's getting into those touchdowns, he's giving you a high fantasy floor almost every single week. He scores again in this one. And he had, Almost four and a half yards a carry. So he was efficient with the touch that he had. 10 carries, 44 yards. But once again, what's the downfall? Why he didn't have a bigger fantasy day? Wasn't involved in the passing game. 
one target, no catches in this one. Daryl Henderson was the guy who got most of the work in this one. And most of that came in the second half. Once they went up 24-10, to 10, they pretty much coasted throughout the entire second half, just looked to run the ball out. Didn't play Todd Gurley much. It was very similar to a week ago, where they didn't play Todd Gurley much before that either in the second half when they, had, when they were up by a couple of scores. So this is something to keep your eye on. Todd Gurley is a potential sell-high candidate if you can get him for an RB1 that makes some sense. Look, I wouldn't sell him off for anybody because as far as RB2 goes, he is a fringe RB1 top-end RB2 because of the amount of times he's been able to score. They're going into the bye week this week. We'll see if their game plan starts to change because, look, you got the Seattle Seahawks who are right there with them uh, record-wise, and you have the 49ers who are still undefeated. Well, the Rams at 5-3 and three are still in a position where they could dangerously find themselves on the outside looking in as far as the playoffs go, especially given how competitive the NFC North is. So there's not going to be two wild cards coming out of the West. The reason why I'm talking about this is because it brings up a decent chance that the Rams may feel the pressure. So when they go up against teams that are actually going to be able to compete with them for four quarters throughout the game, that's when I think you're going to have more confidence in playing guys like Robert Woods, Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks. Cooper Cup's going to be fine no matter what. And Jared Goff, you can play him in top-end matchups because he's going to be able to find Cooper Cup. Everyone else, for them to reach their their fantasy ceilings or their fantasy relevancy of what you drafted them to be are going to have to be in games where you're going to have to play for all four quarters. Their second half of the season schedule is a lot tougher. It's going to be more competitive teams, and they're going to be in a serious race for a playoff spot. It's not going to be the time to be cute with Todd Gurley's usage, cute with Robert Woods, cute with Brandon Cooks. These guys are going to have to get involved moving forward. The Sean McVay offense is going to have to get more aggressive moving forward. So look for those type of matches. But in games like this where you see there's going to be a clear-cut Rams victory, no matter pretty much what they do, I don't know if you could trust anybody not named Cooper Cup in this offense right now and Todd Gurley who does give you a chance to score every single game. But something to keep in mind, Daryl Henderson's still the backup. And this isn't a 50-50 committee between Todd Gurley and Daryl Henderson, because that's going to be the next question. It's like, oh, is this going to become a 50-50 split? No. It's all about the game flow. All about the game flow. So something to keep in mind moving forward. On the Bengals' side of the ball, uh, Joe Mixon wasn't terrible. He was able to find the end zone on a reception in this one and had 21 touches total for 77 yards total. So he wasn't awful in this game. They didn't get Cordy Glenn back. They didn't activate him this week. We'll see what happens again next week. He may be possibly getting traded, so keep your eye on that. Maybe A.J. Green comes back next week. He came out and said that he actually does plan to play after the trade deadline. I think he was still hoping that he would be traded. doesn't look like it's going to happen at this point, although there are some teams rumored to be going after wide receivers still right now. So unless he gets traded, it does sound like either way he plans on coming back to the Bengals or coming back and playing football starting next week. And that could actually bode well for Joe Mixon moving forward to have that deep threat. And it could help guys like Tyler Boyd fall back into place. And it could even help guys like Andy Dalton become fantasy streaming relevant again and even this one Andy Dalton wasn't bad 329 yards a touchdown no interceptions he wasn't a bad streaming option in this game and if he gets AJ Green back he'll go back to being a not bad streaming option because he's gonna have the volume this team is going to be throwing all over the place he actually has a deep field threat it actually helps out his ceiling and really helps out everyone else around them so better days could be ahead for the Bengals fantasy players Next game we're going to talk about is the Arizona Cardinals and the New Orleans Saints in this game. Look, this game went about as expected. The Saints defense was able to dominate. Drew Brees came back and looked as sharp as ever. 34-43, 373 yards, three touchdowns, just one 
pick. He was lights out in this game. And it also did not matter the fact that Patrick Peterson was covering Michael Thomas. As I said, it probably would not. Look, Michael Thomas is that passing game, especially with no Alvin Kamara. They're going to have to find ways to give him the ball. They move him all around, and it stayed true in this one. 11 catches, 112 yards, a touchdown, 11 targets. He is as safe as a wide receiver one, as an elite as a wide receiver one, as there is in football right now. Now, of course, you got the bye week coming up this week where the Saints won't be playing, but you're good to go. Drew Brees is back. Sky's the limit for Michael Thomas and for Alvin Kamara when he does come back. He is expected to come back in week 10 after the bye next week. In his stead, though, Latavius Murray had another big game in this one. 21 carries, 102 yards, a touchdown, and then tacked on nine receptions for 55 yards and a touchdown. 30 touches total, over 150 yards and two touchdowns all complete in a day's worth of work. Latavius Murray is showing you, A, why he's a competent NFL back, but B, why I frankly think he will have a bigger role moving forward. Look, even if Al Kamara comes back 100% healthy in Week 10, I told you before the biggest reason why I didn't think he was getting much runs because they were trying to make sure Al Kamara stayed out there so Teddy Bridgewater had his best weapons available to him as much as humanly possible. Now I think because Latavius Murray has such a good game now without Al Kamara and showing that, hey, I work in this system. I can be productive too. And with Drew Brees back, I think Latavius Murray is going to go back to being a lower-end flex option on a week-to-week basis where he might get 10 to 14 touches in a week and play more of that Mark Ingram type of role. Now, we'll have to come back to things in week 10. There'll be some bye weeks. But Latavius Murray is a good chance he's going to be in the flex situation there moving forward even with Kamara back. On the on the Cardinals side of the ball here, Kyler Murray was terrible. Look, the defense the defense of the Saints dominated, and they did exactly what I expected them to do. They dominated that line of scrimmage, and there just wasn't much the Cardinals were able to do as a result. Kyler Murray wasn't very good. He wasn't able to run very much on top of it, so he bottomed out for you. He is definitely a match-up based streaming quarterback. All right, he's proven now against good defenses. He does not have the floor that you would expect a running a running quarterback to be able to have. So therefore, he is somebody who has to be matchup based and a streamer and not actually a QB1 that you can start week in and week out. So just keep that in mind moving forward. They weren't able to run the ball much in this game. First of all, Chase Edmonds winds up going down because of a hamstring injury. Wasn't able to do much when he did get the ball. Seven carries, eight yards. Wasn't really given a chance to be able to get into rhythm either, but also wasn't able to give you the floor that you would expect him to get. Only two catches, five yards on four targets because because he got hurt so early on in this game. After that, Zach Zenner is the only running back they had active. They just didn't bother to use him. And they didn't have the ball too much because the Saints, quite frankly, just dominated time of possession. It wasn't even close. So they weren't on offense very much either. So there's not a whole lot to take out of this game other than Christian Kirk comes back this week. And in a game in which the Cardinals across the board did not do well, he saw 11 targets, 8 catches, 79 yards in this one. Now Larry Fitzgerald had an opportunity to get a touchdown. It didn't wind up working out, but he only had 2 catches for 8 yards on 4 targets. Not great. Now look, better days are ahead, but not against San Francisco in a short week on Thursday. That's for sure. The San Francisco defense has been playing just as well, if not better, than the Saints defense for this entirety of the year. Cardinals just made a deal for Kenyon Drake. Full disclosure, I'm recording this Monday night, so I will, we're not going to be able to have the Monday night recap game. We'll talk about that game if we need to throughout the week on my Twitter feed and through Facebook and whatnot and through the waiver wire report. But we are recording this after this trade has taken place. Kenyon Drake's a good chance. Not only is he going to be the starter, a good chance he winds up being the workhorse. It's kind of crazy to think it's a new team on a short week of work against a tough matchup. So don't expect a lot, but... 
Kenyon Drake would have some flex appeal or some RB2 appeal, especially given that this is a heavy bye week for top-end running backs. So he's somebody you might be able to pick up, and you might be able to play just because you know he's at least going to get the touches. He should get worked in on the passing game. I don't know how high his ceiling is going to be, but he is going to be serviceable this week if you need a serviceable option. And he's actually still a little bit more than 50% owned, but he's just over that threshold, so he doesn't make the waiver wire report on average. But I do want to make sure I mention him there for the Cardinals heading into the short week uh, when when we do the preview show. In the meantime, Christian Kirk looks like he's somebody who's going to be heavily targeted. He is somebody who can be a high-end wide receiver four, low-end wide receiver three, especially in PPR leagues. Somebody might be able to pick up and play, as Larry Fitzgerald has gotten worse and worse and worse as far as production goes throughout the entire season, as the passing game has become less and less in volume. And that's been something that's been able to work for them. Next game up we're going to talk about is the Broncos and the Indianapolis Colts. Now for this game, look. Joe Flacco gets hurt. He's actually not going to play next week. We just got that news alert as he hurt his neck in this one, but he was awful anyway. 20 of 32, 174 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. And as a result, it just wasn't opening the door for you to be able to get much in the passing game. Cortland Sutton managed to get you 72 yards, so he's still serviceable in this one off of three catches and six targets. But in a game against the Colts, who have been able to be taken advantage of as far as outside wide receivers go... And being that there was no Emmanuel Sanders, so you're expecting Cortland Sutton to get a lot of the volume, didn't really come to fruition, but their offense was just so uneven. Plus, they were able to lean on the running game a little bit. Philip Lindsay, 14 carries, 59 yards, and then was able to tack on five catches for 17 yards in this one. And then, of course, Warriors Freeman is the one who gets the touchdown t- again for the second week in a row, 12, catch- uh, 12 rushes, excuse me, 40 rushing yards with the touch. Only one catch for five yards in this one, so he wasn't as much involved in the passing game as he had been for the past few weeks. With Joe Flacco being out, Brandon Allen, who's never started an NFL game, will be the starter next week. You bench Cortland Sutton. There's no way you can play Cortland Sutton right now, given the situation that the Denver Broncos now find themselves in. However, we can count on the running game being heavily involved. Now, is it more than Phil Lindsay getting about 15 carries, Royce Freeman getting about 12 to 14 carries? I don't know if it can be more than that, but they will definitely certainly try to as they're going to lean on Lindsay and Royce Freeman in this upcoming game as that's going to be their entire offense is through the running backs. So I would bench Cortland Sutton until we see what happens with Brandon Allen, see how long Joe Flacco is going to be out, but I would have to give it a week before I could trust anything coming out of the receiving game of the Denver Broncos moving forward. On the Colts' side of the ball... Jacoby Brissett, we knew this wasn't going to be a great game for him. Denver Broncos defense has played really well over the past about month and a half now. So we knew this wasn't going to be a great matchup. Only 202 yards, didn't throw a pick, only tacked on 34 yards rushing though. As a result, T.Y. Hilton couldn't get that involved. He was facing Chris Harris. He had a tough matchup, two catches, 54 yards, and six targets. But this just wasn't a high-scoring game. This was a defensive game, an ugly offensive game on both sides of the ball. But Marlon Mack was able to come through for you. 19 carries, 76 yards, a touchdown. As long as he continues to get 18 to 20 carries, which has been the case almost every single week, Marlon Mack will always have an opportunity to perform as a high-end RB2, fringe RB1 for you. He has the capability. The offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. So no matter who they're playing, as long as he's able to get that many touches, which he's consistently 
consistently been able to do. He just presents a very high floor for you and a very good ceiling as well. So Marlon Mack continues to be a guy that you can go ahead and start every single week without hesitation. And T.Y. Hilton's going to be that guy too. Now, of note, we were talking about last week, who's going to who's gonna come emerge as that second wide receiver. I mean, Zach Pascal still had two targets in this game, one catch, six yards. There's not a lot you could take out of the Colts passing game in this one as it was almost non-existent to begin with. So well, that's going to wrap up the first few games that we had to talk about. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. We have a lot more games to recap. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Rolling right along, we have the Birds game, the Seahawks and the Atlanta Falcons in this one, and it did not disappoint. We had some question marks with, you know, no Matt Ryan in this game. How are the fantasy-relevant players going to be able to do without their starting quarterback? And Matt Schaub wound up having himself a hell of a game. Had 39 of 52, 460 yards for Matt Schaub, one touchdown, one interception, It was able to bode pretty well for everyone involved. Julio Jones, 10 catches, 152 yards, so he didn't skip a beat without Matt Ryan. Calvin Ridley even had one of his better games he's had in a while. Four catches, 70 yards on seven targets. Austin Hooper continued to find the end zone. Six catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. It looked like they didn't even lose a beat without Matt Ryan back there. Hey, they still lost by a touchdown, but they've been losing with Matt Ryan anyway. It hasn't mattered. The big thing here was that Devontae Freeman comes in. No Edo Smith this week based on a concussion injury, comes in, he's the workhorse back, gets 21 touches in all, eight of them coming as receptions, targeted eight times, eight catches, 63 yards through the air, because that's what wound up saving his fantasy day for you, because on the ground, once again, just inefficient, 13 carries, 39 yards, that has more to do with his offensive line than anything else. Devontae Freeman, to me, has actually looked perfectly fine from a physical standpoint, from an explosive running back standpoint, he's just getting no room to operate. Seattle does have one of the better run defenses, one of the better defensive lines, so they were able to handle this line of scrimmage pretty well, and of course they got up early, so the Falcons had to throw, throw, throw in the second half like crazy, but this is what Devontae Freeman can do, this is what you expect him to do, you don't expect him to carry the load as far as just being a runner, you expect him to get involved in the passing game, it was nice to see him be able to get a lot of the work here and have a nice game as a result, but they go on by again next week, so we will see if that will continue to be the case from all reports that I've been getting, Matt Ryan is expected to be back in Week 10 after their Week 9 bye. So everything kind of gets reset back to normal. But as you can see here, they didn't really miss a beat to begin with. So all the fantasy-relevant players stayed fantasy-relevant for the Falcons and will continue to do so in Week 10. Seattle Seahawks here coming up. You have Russell Wilson Not very many yards again, but again gets you two touchdowns in this game. So he was able to salvage his fantasy day. You didn't lose because of him, but it wasn't a great one either. And the fact is that with Russell Wilson, you need him to run because he's only throwing the ball 20 to 25 times a game. It's just very low volume, which sets it up as a very low floor as far as passing game goes, unless he hits bombs, unless he hits touchdowns. He did hit the touchdowns in this one, but it's very it almost feels very fluky at times that he's able to continue to produce on a fantasy level when he's only throwing the ball that many times and not running because he didn't run in this game. 
But he continues to be a QB1 moving forward. You're going to have to continue to play him as such because he has that capability to do so, because he has the receivers to hit those big plays on a consistent basis and has been pretty good for fantasy purposes so far this season. This was just a matchup against the Atlanta Falcons where you're hoping for maybe a little bit more. But Chris Carson didn't disappoint. 20 carries, 90 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. Didn't tack on anything in the reception game. Rashad Penny was more involved in this one. Some people thought he might play more as they possibly have been talking about trading him. We don't know if that's going to be the case or not as of now recording this podcast. That has not happened. But Rashad Penny in this one, he looked good when he actually had the ball. Eight carries, 55 yards in this game. Uh, of course, Chris Carson was still way and afar the majority carry holder in this one. Uh, the Falcons pretty much scored all of their points in the first half in this game. So there's a lot of things to kind of take out of in that sense where Rashad Penning's not going to have a big role. He's still nothing more than a handcuff. And we'll have to wait and see if he gets traded. There already have been a flurry of moves so far. And a couple of the teams that were not able to succeed on the Kenyon Drake sweepstakes may be interested in acquiring Rashad Penny. So it remains to be seen. As far as the receivers go, not very many people were involved. DK Metcalf only had three catches for 13 yards, but did get two touchdowns in this game. So you played DK Metcalf. I I told a couple people to start him going up against the Atlanta Falcons. My thinking was he was going to be have a big play in this one, become fantasy relevant that way. At least he was able to get the two touchdowns, so he did make himself fantasy relevant still, even though he didn't really have much production outside of that. Tyler Lockett did go for 100 yards in this one. He just continues to have a very safe floor every single week there with Russell Wilson. Uh, six catches, 100 yards on six targets. Even when they're only throwing the ball 20, 25 times, you know Tyler Lockett is going to lead away as far as targets, and he's just had a solid floor as a result, especially getting to play the slot wide receiver. Next game up to talk about is the Eagles and the Bills. The Eagles actually routed the Buffalo Bills in this one and did it on the ground, which is probably the more surprising part. Jordan Howard, 23 carries in this game and scores a touchdown. Now, if Jordan Howard is going to look at touches like that moving forward, then all of a sudden he could become an RB2. I don't think that's going to be the case. They've already talked about Deshaun Jackson coming back to practice this week. There's a good chance he comes back. If that happens, I do think this team will go back to being a throw-first team rather than a run-first team. But it is something to see because behind that offensive line, the way Jordan Howard can fit that scheme... He could become an RB2 if they were to give him this consistent workload, but don't count on it. He's still a guy that you can play in the flex, and I feel safe about in certain matchups knowing that the Eagles are going to be in position to score. He's still the guy coming in inside the 10-yard line. And yes, Miles Sanders had a big run in this game, but outside of that big run for the touchdown, he didn't do much else on the ground. He only had three total carries. Now, 74 yards, a touchdown, three carries is pretty impressive, and he also had 44 yards on three receptions and three targets. Expect his volume in the passing game to go down to Sean Jackson returns. The one thing we can look forward to is that Carson Wentz's ceiling, even Alshon Jeffrey's ceiling, will go up with Deshaun Jackson because he'll take away some coverage from Alshon Jeffrey. Carson Wentz will finally have a big play threat. So we're all looking forward to that, and it sounds like it's going to be this week, especially for Carson Wentz owner. Because, look, you weren't going to play him against Buffalo probably anyway. He'd become a matchup-based quarterback without Deshaun Jackson. Only 172 yards and a touchdown in this one. He didn't have to do too much for them to win this game, obviously, but still, you want to see better performances out of a guy that you drafted to be a QB1 this season. Jeffrey was able to be at least serviceable. Four catches, 64 yards on six targets. That did lead the way as the Eagles just didn't have to throw the ball that much. 
Zach Ertz continues as a point, two catches, 20 yards on four targets. Unfortunately, you have to keep playing him because you're not going to have a better option at tight end. But he is just somebody who I don't think is ever going to be able to live up to the hype. And we're still waiting for him to even have a good game uh, moving forward for fantasy purposes. On the Buffalo Bills side of the ball, here's what you got. Josh Allen, totally disappointed. He winds up giving you an okay day because he did have two passing touchdowns and he had 45 yards rushing. So he didn't lose you your matchup, but he didn't take advantage through the air like you were hoping he would be able to against the Philadelphia Eagles. John Brown, five catches, 54 yards, serviceable, not great. Cole Beasley is the one who winds up with a touchdown. Still not somebody who I want to trust in fantasy on a week-to-week basis. And isn't really a guy that you can trust as a matchup-proof guy either. Look, this proves with the Bills, even in a plus matchup like against the Philadelphia Eagles, who have been getting up passing production to everyone, because of Josh Allen, because of the nature of that offense, they're just not in a position to be consistent week to week. So if you're taking shots on Josh Allen, John Brown, Cole Beasley, you're taking shots in the dark. You're hoping it's going... Now, they're going to have weeks where they explode, but you're taking shots in the dark that's going to be that week when you choose to play them. And that's always a risk that you're going to have to take if that's the route you want to go. Typically, I would not trust that, but in certain situations, you're not going to have better options either. Frank Gore still led the way in carries, but only 9 for 34, while Devin Singletary had 3 for 19. Singletary did score a touchdown, though, because he got through receiving 4 catches, 30 yards, a touchdown on 6 targets in this one. He continues to be the guy who's involved in the passing game. But I'm still looking and waiting for Devin Singletary to just take over this job. I get that he was working his way back from a hamstring issue. But at this point, look, Frank Gore is what Frank Gore is. He can be a solid backup at this point. But there's really no reason not to just feature Devin Singletary in this offense. He's by far their best playmaker. I would argue probably their best offensive player on that team right now this year. It's just a matter of time. But it still looks like we're going to have to keep holding out and holding out for that to truly happen. And you're not really going to know until we finally see Devin Singletary separate himself from Frank Gore in the total touch category. That hasn't happened yet. I wouldn't expect for it to happen really all that soon either. Next up, we got the Jaguars and the Jets in this matchup. And Gardner Minshew got back to being Gardner Minshew in this one. And it's about time too. look, you have Nick Foles probably a couple weeks away from being able to make a return. There truly is a quarterback controversy in Jacksonville right now. The biggest thing is that over the next two games, Gardner Minshew is going to have to find ways to win in order to make his compelling case of why he should stay the starter. Now, I think he should stay the starter regardless. He works best with the offense. His somewhat mobility, his gutsiness, I think fits better with the identity of this team so far this season. They are in a playoff position right now for a wild card spot. And I don't believe Nick Foles, frankly, is as good as Gardner Minshew. And he definitely does not bring the mobility to the table. And with no D.D. Westbrook, you need a guy who can move the chains and improvise. Nick Foles cannot do that. That's why Gardner Minshew should keep his job. And he made a good case in this one going for 279 yards and three touchdowns, tacking on 28 rushing yards and giving you a hell of a fantasy day to boot. He continues to be stream-worthy in certain matchups. Against Cincinnati Bengals, it was a little disappointing. But even there, he still gave you a solid floor. Gardner Minshew in this one gave you a nice QB1 performance in this game. And did not disappoint by getting it to his favorite target, DJ Chark. Now, D.D. Westbrook did get hurt 
early on in this game that paved, and he had been hurt going into this game. He hadn't practiced very much, had a shoulder injury, re-aggravated that injury. DJ Chark comes in, had 12 targets in this game, six catches of 79 yards and a touchdown. Chris Conley was able to get involved as he had a big 70-yard touchdown grab in this one where he just got free, had four catches, 103 yards, and seven targets on the day. And then the other guy that was involved in the passing game, you guessed it, Leonard Fournette. Seven catches, 60 yards on seven targets, tacked on 19 carries for 76 yards. Did get very frustrated at one point in the game. They were on the goal line. They tried to run it in. The first play, it looked like he scored. And quite frankly, had the Jaguars actually challenged it, he probably would have gotten the touchdown. But they didn't. They tried to run him again. And on the next play, he wound up losing four yards. And they wound up having to kick the field goal on that one. Leonard Fournette has been fantastic as far as the volume goes, as far as the yard production he's been able to put up and the total yards from scrimmage. He's been excellent in all those departments, but only one touchdown, two touchdowns, excuse me, on the year. That has been the only frustrating part with Leonard Fournette is his inability to just get in the end zone, it seems like. But he has been able to do everything else so far this season. He has been an RB1 every single week. And you continue to ride him as such. DJ Chark, to me, still is a fringe wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three as he still is always a red zone target especially with Gardner Minshew in he is the favorite target D.D. Westbrook had been getting more and more looks over the past couple of weeks though with him getting hurt in this game it paved the way for D.D. Chark to get back to his number one status but Gardner Minshew shows once again that he's not afraid to throw that jump ball to D.J. Chark in the red zone as long as that continues to be the case he always has an opportunity to score especially in plus matchups which they have a couple of coming up now on the Jets side of the ball Sam Darnold was, I guess, a little better than the Patriots game, but still terrible in this one. Does sprain his thumb as it comes out afterwards. We'll see how what he's able to do next week. The expectation as of now is that he should be able to play, but did come away with another little injury here. Came, came away with a toe injury last week. Just having an issue being durable this season. This game, only 218 yards, two touchdowns, but three interceptions. Three really bad interceptions at that way off the mark footballs that were thrown by him. As a result, the Jets had to come back from behind quite a bit so Le'Veon Bell was not able to get his normal amount of touches only 12 total touches in this one 23 yards 12 23 yards on the ground 12 yards through the air just very disappointing in general but outside of this week Le'Veon Bell had been getting his touches every single week and had been a workhorse back and will continue to be so they play the Miami Dolphins next week I expect them to be able to be in a much more competitive situation against the Dolphins I expect Le'Veon Bell to go back to getting about 18 to 20 touches in that game and as long as that's been the case he's been a high-end RB2 and in some weeks a low-end RB1 because frankly the RB1s have been pretty disappointing across the board but he has some good matchups coming up he's gonna have the workload so he has a safe floor more days than not and their tougher matchups last week against the Patriots this week against the Jaguars are behind him for the next month or so so Le'Veon Bell is somebody you could definitely buy low on right now and he will be able to help you in your playoff run. As far as receivers go, look, there wasn't much to be said because there wasn't a ton of volume. The Jets barely possessed the ball in this game, and even when they did, they were scrambling for yards. Robbie Anderson, four catches, 43 yards on six targets. Jameson Crowder, three catches, 24 on five targets. Demarius Thomas, five catches, 63 yards on five targets. Really just nobody who stands out here. At this point, you have to knock all of the receivers down. Robbie Anderson's nothing more than a flyer risk on a matchup-based team. I would like to see what happens next week. I still believe Jameson Crowder 
can be a flex guy for you in a PPR league, especially against the Dolphins next week. There was no Chris Herndon this week. We'll see if he's able to come back next week or not. He was expected to play at first and then wound up being a later scratch in the week. So we'll see what he's able to do in practice. But I do believe with Adam Gase going up against his old team, he's going to go to his old tricks and use a slot receiver. So I do think James Crowder is going to have some value coming up. But all in all, the Jets are going to be very, very matchup dependent outside of Le'Veon Bell moving forward. Next up, we have the Giants and the Lions here in this one. What we got going on in this game was a lot of scoring, actually. Surprisingly enough, Giants were able to keep this a close game. The Lions are up by quite a bit, but they made it close at the end. Daniel Jones, 322 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Played much better in this game. Now had a hell of a volume, too. I mean, 41 pass attempts, 28 completions. They were coming from behind this entire game. They were down... Uh, early 14 nothing in the four, in the first quarter. They did come back, though. The half went into it 17-13. And then they kind of just rolled it out in the second half, making this a pretty good competitive game, pretty good back and forth. Saquon Barkley, 19 carries, 64 yards, but did get you eight catches for 79 yards and a touchdown. Saquon Barkley doing Saquon Barkley things. He's going to get you 100 yards from scrimmage. He's going to have the possibility to score. He's going to be involved in that passing game. All of those things are what you expect out of him. He did not disappoint. Detroit's run defense, when they have have Snack Harrison in there is not the easiest run defense in the world. So it's not a big surprise to see them be a little bit inefficient against Detroit, who has put up some good rush defense performances so far this season. Golden Tate, 8 catches, 85 yards on 10 targets. To be expected with no Sterling Shepard. We knew he was going to be the number one wide receiver. As long as that continues to be the case, he's going to have a very high floor when it comes to PPR leagues. Now, going into next week, I think there's an expectation that Shepard will be able to return, and we will see what happens then. That's what we've been waiting for. We want to see Shepard and Golden Tate on the field at the same time for all four quarters to get a sense of what these guys' roles are going to be when they're both out there and what their target share can be when they're both out there. That's going to be the real question that needs to be answered. We may be able to find that out next week, but in the meantime, while you're trying to wait to find that out, I don't know if I would play Shepard or Golden Tate heading into next week's matchup. Next up, Darius Slayton, two catches, 50 yards, but two touchdowns on those. Look, he's becoming a guy who can be the deep field threat that they need to be able to open up the rest of the offense. He's nothing more to me than a DFS tournament play, though, because he's not somebody you're going to be able to trust at all from a week-to-week basis, but he is somebody who has that ability they will throw the ball deep to and in the red zone. Evan Ingram was able to find the end zone in this game. Four catches, 40 yards on seven targets in this one. Look, Evan Ingram is somebody you're going to have to continue to play as a tight end one. He's going to be in the top eight by the end of the year. Yes, he's being a little bit of a disappointment as you expect him to be a little heavier involved than he has been, but now it's Saquon back and Golden in the mix and Sterling Shepard back on his way, the target count just might not be as high, but he's always a guy who can be effective in the red zone that they can utilize in that way. And that's why he's going to continue to be a top tight end eight because you just need guys who basically have a pulse and he is better than most. On the Detroit side of the ball, everybody went off that you expected to go off except for the running backs. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Matthew Stafford, 25-32, 342 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Look absolutely great in this game, but you would expect no less. The Giants have been a defense that you've been able to take advantage of, especially in the passing game so far this season, and you would expect that to be able to continue. Kenny Galladay, six catches, 123 yards, and two touchdowns on eight targets. The one consistent here from last week to this week when Marvin Jones has a big game and then this week Kenny Gallagher has a big game is that the second wide receiver winds up being Danny Amendola. Eight catches, 95 yards on eight targets. 
I don't know if it's ever going to be trustworthy because there's always going to be games where it's just Kenny Galladay that day and Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola do nothing or you know vice versa. But with no carry on Johnson, there's going to be more of an emphasis on the passing game. We saw it in this one. They're going to have some issues rush, rushing the football. I do think that means there's going to be two pass catchers at any given game that are going to be fantasy relevant. That second pass catcher, more times not, could wind up being Danny Amendola, especially in PPR leagues. I think he is somebody you can go ahead and pick up in those full-point PPR leagues for you. Eight catches, 95 yards in this one after having a good, solid game last week. I think he's somebody you can pick up moving forward and be able to play in your wide receiver three or flex positions. What we had here was a disappointment with Ty Johnson. Plain and simple. We expected him to be the starter. Tra Carson wound up getting most of the work in this one. 12 carries, 34 yards. Wasn't involved in the passing game. Ty Johnson did have a catch there. But J.D. McKissick was the guy who wasn't involved. They even got Paul Perkins sprinkled in. Look, we knew there was going to be some sort of a committee, but we thought it was going to be just a committee between Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick. You have Tra Carson who comes in, steals all the carries. You have Paul Perkins who got a few carries and some run here. J.D. McKissick winds up being the guy who is almost completely left out of this game altogether. So what do you have moving forward? You have a complete mess at the running back position. There's no way that you can trust any running back for the Detroit Lions right now. You have to wait to see if somebody emerges from the mess. But even then, if this is going to be their plan moving forward of rotating these backs to this degree on a Patriot level, and none of them are as talented as the Patriot running backs on top of it, you're not going to be able to trust any of these guys. So unless someone establishes themselves over the next couple of weeks, I would not play a Detroit Lions running back. Now, if you picked up Ty Johnson last week, I would not drop Ty Johnson just yet. He is better than Carson. He is better than Carson. So I, I expect that to shine through at some point. J.D. McKissick, if you picked him up at a PPR league, you can go ahead and drop him because there's no reason to get involved in a guy who might be in at least a three-man carousel, if not a four-man carousel. So he's not going to have a big enough role to be able to trust him. You can go ahead and drop J.D. McKissick moving forward. Next up, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Tennessee Titans in this one. Look, we knew that Winston was going to have a rough game against this good Tennessee defense. He just continues to have Jameis Winston-type games. He still got you 300 yards, still got you two touchdowns. So those two interceptions did not kill your fantasy day. And this is one of the tougher matchups they have. They have some pretty good matchups coming up for Jameis Winston they should be able to take advantage of. The running game, still non-existent. They did, they did try to run the ball in this one, to their credit. Ronald Jones had 11 carries. Peyton Barber had 10. So they tried to run the football, but both of them averaged about 2 and 3 yards per carry. Just nothing special there. Not a one involved in the passing game. I don't know how you're playing Ronald Jones or Peyton Barber, either one of them, in your starting lineups until one emerges or one gets injured. Neither one of them really has any fantasy relevancy on a week-to-week basis unless you're absolutely, truly desperate and in a deep league. Mike Evans came back after the bye week and went off. 11 catches, 198 yards, two touchdowns on 12 targets. They came out of that bye week with the emphasis and the idea that they were going to hell or or high water going to get Mike Evans the ball. Plain and simple. I expect this to continue. Look, they seem to have gotten back to the roots of, hey, you know what? Mike Evans is our number one wide receiver. Chris Godwin's great, but Mike Evans is our number one wide receiver. There's been an emphasis the past two games now to get him the football. 
Expect that to continue. If you're a Chris Godwin owner, we may see in the second half of the season a more of a surgence out of Evans than Godwin the rest of the way. Now, what I will say is that in some of their matchups coming up, they do face some top-notch corners who would predictably be sticking Mike Evans most of the time. So when that happens, it could still be a good Chris Godwin game. He will be the one with the mismatch. But there does seem to be a genuine emphasis from the coaching staff, from Jameis Winston, to get Mike Evans the ball more throughout these games and not move away from him or forget about him just because Godwin might have a better matchup on the other side. They wound up losing this game, but it was still pretty close. It was on the road. It was not a game they were expected to win. So I do think that is something that will continue to be the case moving forward for them. On the Tennessee Titans side of the ball, a lot of people streamed Ryan Tannehill. And because he got three touchdowns, he winds up being serviceable. He didn't get you much on the ground. He only got 193 yards, but he did throw for three touchdowns. He was serviceable. He was serviceable. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Not exactly what you're looking for when you stream a guy going up against Tampa Bay, but it's not the end of the world either. The guy who was impressive in this game, though, was Janu Smith. Six catches, 78 yards, a touchdown on seven targets. He really had not been impressive so far this season when working in for Delaney Walker, who has been pretty much been banged up all year long. He hadn't been impressive. This game, he finally was. They featured him quite a bit in the offense. He was able to take advantage of his mismatches and show you why he does have athletic ability, why people have been so excited about him for over the years and have been waiting for him to break out. But he reminds me too much of Jared Cook, where he's going to have that one game where like, oh, okay, did the light bulb finally go off? Because we, we know you have this ability. And then followed up with four dud performances in a row. That's exactly who he reminds me of. I don't think this is anything different. Janu Smith is still nothing more than a streaming tight end to me. And I would continue to stream at the position for the best possible matchup from a week-to-week basis. A.J. Brown did wind up with a touchdown this one, but only two catches for 11 yards. Corey Davis, two catches, nine yards on six targets. They go back to being like, ugh, a fantasy. I do think better days are still ahead for this team. The offense in general still looked better with Ryan Tannehill in this one. So I do think it's not time to give up on them again. But you definitely did not like what you saw against Tampa Bay in this one after having what looked like a turnaround performance a week ago. But they did wind up winning the game. So we will see what happens there. Derrick Henry, 16 carries. 75 yards, didn't get in the end zone in this one, but just continues to have a high floor as an RB2 as he continues to get anywhere between 16 to 20 touches on average per game this particular year. Next up, we have the Chargers and the Bears. The Bears having flashbacks to a year ago. Wasn't quite the double doink, but he does bang it off the crossbar 
and winds up losing the game. Oh no. Poor Chicago. Can't get a break. Matt Nagy looks like he's ready. He's just beside himself right now. Like Matt Nagy looks like he's he's just ready to take a trip down Broadway and just just jump off a bridge at some point because he looks like he's going out of his mind right now with the lack of production, the inability to make plays from his quarterback position right now with Mitchell Trubisky. He did come in and run the ball more. That is something that he did do. He said he was going to do, and he stayed true to it. And as a result, they ran the ball really well. David Montgomery finally has a big game this season, 27 carries, 135 yards, a touchdown. They finally got him going, was involved in the pass game, four catches, 12 yards. The guy who was not that much involved as a result was Tariq Cohen. Only four, only eight total touches. Four, uh, I'm sorry, seven total touches, three catches, 37 yards on three targets with four rushes for nine yards. If David Montgomery is going to be involved to that level, Tariq Cohen is not going to be involved nearly as much. So those of you who have Tariq Cohen in PPR leagues and trying to play him in your flex positions, you're going to have to play it on a matchup base. Is it going to be a game where you think Chicago is going to be able to sit there and run the football consistently? Because if it is, moving forward, I do think this is a game plan that they are going to have. Remember, they still are only a field goal away from winning this game getting back on track their offense in general did seem better with David Montgomery being able to run the football and them sticking with the run it protected Mitchell Trubisky he wasn't terrible in this game as a result but he wasn't able to make the plays every time he needed him to Allen Robinson five catches 62 yards on seven targets yes Taylor Gabriel had a decent game yes Anthony Miller had a decent game but Allen Robinson to me is still the only fantasy relevant wide receiver the Chicago Bears have he's the only guy you can expect to get the targets week in and week out while Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller are guys who are no better than wide receiver fives at best Allen Robinson does have a good match against the Philadelphia Eagles next week he is somebody who gets targeted quite a bit and has a pretty decent floor as a high-end wide receiver three and that'll continue to be the case on the Chargers side of the ball didn't have much offense, didn't need much offense. This was a tough defense to play against in Chicago Bears. You're not always going to find the most room, especially with a team that has been struggling in the offensive line against a team that gets a lot of penetration. They did get Russell Kung back in this game, but they didn't have the ball that much, and they still came away with the win. Look, the team as a whole only had 12 total runs. Melvin Gordon got eight of those, had 31 yards, got the touchdown. Now, for him, he wasn't that involved in the passing game. And that's where you really want to see Melvin Gordon get more involved is in the passing game. But to be fair, he had the same amount of targets as Austin Eckler. But he just had two catches and three yards compared to Eckler's two catches for 19 yards and a touchdown. So both of them wind up scoring in this one. Melvin Gordon did outproduce Austin Eckler by a tad. And like I told you guys, they're not going to turn it over to Austin Eckler. Anthony Lynn is a Melvin Gordon guy. I think in most games, they're going to have more offensive touches, first and foremost. And we're going to see them get more in rhythm and see them use the running game more and more as they move forward. Especially now Russell Kung's back. They have a little bit of health along that offensive line right now. And some good matchups coming up. Keenan Allen was probably the most impressive thing to me. Look, his stat line wasn't great, 7 catches, 53 yards but the, on 10 targets, but the fact that he played all four quarters, the fact that he was still the number one wide receiver, the fact that he looked okay out there for the most part, dropped a touchdown, could have had a better day, but this is a guy who I couldn't believe was even out there playing and was still able to be effective and heavily volumed in this one. It took away from Mike Williams, who was the lead receiver on the day as far as yards go, but only three catches, 69 yards, still no touchdowns as we head into week nine for Mike Williams. Zero touchdowns. 
That has got to change. Otherwise, he's not going to be incredibly fantasy relevant outside of being a wide receiver four, which at this point is all he is. Hunter Henry, four catches, 47 yards on six targets. He's a tight end one. You continue to play him as a tight end one. Don't overthink that. He's going to have better games ahead. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. We still have a few more games to recap, and of course, the waiver wire segment at the end. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. We're now on the last four games to recap in this episode. Remember, we are recording during the Monday night game, so that way you guys can have this first thing Tuesday morning. If anything super special happens during the game, of course, I will tweet it out and talk about it and get you guys prepared for next week if need be. As of right now, it actually just hit the half, and the the Steelers, excuse me, actually just scored a touchdown with Deontay Johnson. So they wound up making that game 14-10 as the Dolphins are surprisingly ahead at the moment, but we will see how long that lasts coming out of the half. But moving along here, we have the San Francisco 49ers, the undefeated, San Francisco 49ers, my favorite team, against the Carolina Panthers, 51-13. Now, it was very bittersweet for me this week because of the 49ers because while they're my team, and I was very happy to see them win in such dominant fashion, I was also playing against Tevin Coleman in several leagues. So that was that part was not so fun, especially when you're watching Tevin Coleman get, only get 11 carries on the day and get three touchdowns off of those 11 carries two catches of 13 yards, and another touchdown in the receiving game. I mean, I've, it felt like every time he touched the ball, he just scored. That's it. He didn't He didn't want to get much work. In fact, he split carries down the middle with Matt Breida, who also had 11 carries for 35 yards. Did get knocked out of this game for a little bit during it. Came back in, though. But Raheem Mostert was the guy who finished it off in the second half about midway through the third quarter and on. It was mostly the Raheem Mostert show, and he wound up getting nine carries for 60 yards and a touchdown when he spelled guys. I mean, it was just just a crazy amount of rushing touchdowns. Even Debo Samuel joined in with a rushing touchdown. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have to do much. I mean, he was good, 18 of 22, but 175 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. He just continues to not be fantasy relevant. They're just not, they don't, they haven't been in a situation where they've had to throw him the ball. That's really what it boils down to. If they ever get this situation, especially now they have Emmanuel Sanders where they have to throw the ball 35 times, maybe in a game where they get in a shootout or fall behind and go 40 times, then he might have some fantasy relevancy, but you're not going to know when that game is heading into it because so far the 49ers have been able to play defense and run the football so efficiently that Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been able to get a chance to actually do anything for you fantasy-wise. So I expect that to continue, but Emmanuel Sanders in his first game only four catches or 25 yards. Does get into the end zone, though. Five targets. Established himself right away as the number one wide receiver. Now, he's not the number one pass catcher. That's still George Kittle, who had seven targets, six catches, 86 yards. The only thing he didn't do is get in the end zone in this one. You continue to play him as a top three tight end every single week. That has not changed there. But Emmanuel Sanders, 
shows why he has top-end wide receiver three value with some upside in this offense as he will be continuing to be used more and more and get himself more immersed into the offense as they move forward. Going against the Arizona Cardinals, they're going to move Sanders all around, so him going up against Patrick Peterson, it won't be the entire part of the game and still not all that terrifying. The only thing about Sanders what would scare me would really would be that the 49ers could run on Arizona theoretically the same way they ran on Carolina. I mean, it might not be quite to this degree, but it's going to be pretty similar what the game plan is going to be, and I expect the 49ers to control that game. As far as fantasy purposes goes, Tevin Coleman, uh, welcome to top-end RB2 territory after a couple of weeks. Look, he has, even in a situation where he is part-time, he is running all over everyone since he's been back off of his injury. He's been getting enough touches where you know he's going to have a decent floor. He fits the system perfectly, which you all knew is going to be the case, and he's scoring touchdowns, which is the big thing because of all the running backs, he is still going to get his chance at the goal line. He's going to be in those positions to score. Saw it in this game uh, in particular in full display, and of course he has the ability to break big ones too as he had a 48-yarder in this game as well. Tevin Coleman continues to be a high-end RB2, and quite possibly if he's able to continue the pace that he's on, could very easily become an a bottom-end RB1 in a couple of weeks, frankly, with what he's been able to do thus far. On the Panthers' side of the ball, Kyle Allen, they came out today and said he will get one more start as quote-unquote Cam Newton is still rehabbing. It's more of, let's see Kyle Allen not against San Francisco one more time before we decide if we're going to turn the reins back over to Cam Newton. I think that's where they were coming from at because really Kyle Allen was terrible in this game. And I think Cam Newton's probably been healthy for about a week or two now. If they really wanted to bring him back, I think they could have by now. I think they're still waiting to see. Is Kyle Allen going to be the guy moving forward? Should they move on from Cam? I think they're still debating that. And I think because it's San Francisco and the way they've played, I think they're trying to give Kyle Allen one more chance before they make their decision, I think, for the rest of the year. But he was awful in this game. 19-37, 158 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions. As a result, no one in the passing game was able to get going. Curtis Samuel actually had the most targets on the day with 11, four catches, 46 yards. DJ Moore had five receptions, only 38 yards on nine targets. You knew none of them were going to be a great matchup against San Francisco, but didn't quite expect it to be that bad. The one person who still came through for you because he comes through no matter who it is and has been the RB1 all season long, and that was Christian McCaffrey. 14 carries, 117 yards, a touchdown, broke a 40-yarder in this game, tacked on four catches for 38 yards. It just does not matter who he plays. He will find a way to produce for you. He has been the RB1 on the season, and showing against the 49ers, who have shut down pretty much everyone so far this season, it shows that he is matchup proof through the entire year. Next up, the other undefeated team, the 8-0 New England Patriots. After beating Cleveland Browns with really looking like they weren't even breaking a sweat out there. Remember, Jarvis Landry earlier in the week guaranteed a win against the Patriots. Yeah, the Browns looked like they were never even close to winning this game. The Patriots went up 17-0 in the first corner doing their Patriot thing. They scored a defensive touchdown right off the bat. Then they marched down the field, scored a touchdown, kick a field goal, and next thing you know, they're up 17-0 and pretty much never looked back after that. Baker Mayfield was, again, horrible. 194 yards, a touchdown, an interception. 
You knew he probably wasn't going to be great in this game, and I said he was going to probably have a similar type of game to Sam Darnold a week ago. That wasn't quite Sam. That wasn't quite that bad, but it wasn't far off either, as he never was able to get time to actually get his feet set. The one guy who performed pretty well was Nick Chubb. Now he had two fumbles, so that came back to bite him. But when he had the ball in his hands, he found success. He had 20 carries for 131 yards. He was gashing the New England Patriots. They were able to find running room, and that's not a good offensive line up front. So while they were never in position to actually compete in this game, they may have put out a blueprint for teams to come of what you have to do against New England, and that's just run the football at them. Now, of course, it helps to have a dynamic playmaker like Nick Chubb at the running back position, but that may be the game plan teams are going to have to adopt moving forward, and that is finding a way to run up the middle against this Patriot defense, because the, the Browns were able to find some success doing that. Odell Beckham, not terrible in this game, not great. Five catches, 52 yards, and seven targets. You figured he probably wasn't going to have a great game, especially if Baker Mayfield was going to be held in check, which he was. Jarvis Landry came out of this game for a little bit, but was able to come back in, had five catches, 65 yards on 10 targets as he led the way. Better days are ahead for these guys. They do have another tough match against Buffalo, though, and then one more against Denver. But then after that, their schedule does get a little easier, especially as we get into the fantasy playoffs. But... Just no real great matchups for them ahead. And, and excuse me, they actually have Denver next week and then Buffalo the week after. The one thing going for them next week is no Joe Flacco, so their defense might be able to tee off. But that offense really just is not in a great position to be able to put up points. And the play calling didn't look like it was really any better to me coming out of the bye week in this game than the other week. Other than they are still making sure they stick to the run at the very least to give their offense some control out there. But we'll see what happens. Better days are ahead, I think, after in a couple of weeks. You'll start to see this offense maybe have a chance to actually put up some production. On the Patriots' side of the ball, Brady was fine. 259 yards, two touchdowns. You're not going to complain with that performance, but he's not the top five QB one that he was looking like he was possibly going to be in the beginning of the season when they had all these weapons, when we were throwing the football around. Now, the good news for Sony Michelle coming up is that Isaiah Wynn is expected to practice this week, which means he could be available to play in Week 9. That would be huge for Sony Michelle. It would be huge for the running game especially. It would be huge for the offensive line in general to get one of their starters back that really help them out, especially at the tackle position. They still stuck with the run. It was a bad weather game, so they did play a little bit conservative, but Sony Michelle, 21 carries, 74 yards. Still not great, 3.5 yards a carry. But it's good to know that through these through this last month, while the efficiency hasn't been great, they have made a commitment to give Sony Michelle the ball. He's been getting between 18 to 20 carries almost every single week. They're giving him the ball. He's been getting some goal line looks that's been a little bit you know hit or miss, as we all know it will be with the Patriots. But as long as he continues to get 20-plus carries and his offensive line is going to get healthier over the next few weeks, expect Sony Michelle to possibly make a little bit of a breakout in the second half this season, it really wouldn't surprise me with the amount of work that he's been getting. Julian Edelman, fantastic. Eight catches, 78 yards, two touchdowns on 11 targets. Look, he's a guy who's always going to be a wide receiver two in PPR leagues, maybe a lower end wide receiver two in standard and half point, but he's always going to have that high floor. It's these games where he gets these touchdowns that all of a sudden he propels himself into wide receiver one territory, and those happen Enough amount of the time to make Julian Elman one of those higher-end wide receiver twos in any given week because he has that touchdown upside, especially right now when they don't have Nikhil Harry and Josh Gordon is gone and all of these guys. So 
right now is the time for Julian Edelman to get his touchdowns in. We will see what happens with Nikhil Harry when he comes back either in a week or two, possibly. Mohamed Sanu was nothing special in this game. Two catches, 23 yards on five targets. Not surprising. I Look, they were using Mohamed Sanu in kind of a hybrid situation. They kind of flip-flopped him and Edelman as far as being inside-outside. I really don't think Mohamed Sanu really fits well as far as a fantasy player in this offense. I think what they want him to do is a, another receiver out there who can block on the perimeter and do a little bit of everything as a glorified tight end, essentially. I think he fits what they want to use him for pretty well. But from a fantasy standpoint, I don't think Mohamed Sanu is going to have any extra fantasy value moving forward than he did with the Atlanta Falcons, which was pretty much a, a low-end wide receiver four with some PPR upside every so often in a possible shootout matchup, and that's about it. Philip Dorsett had three catches, 43 yards. I think you can go ahead and drop him. Nikhil Harry's getting back to starting again soon. Philip Dorsett will be the odd man out when that happens. Might be one more week, but you're going to be able to drop Philip Dorsett pretty soon, I'd say. Next game, we got the Raiders and the Texans in this one. Wound up being a close game at the end. Texans had a comeback from behind in this game. Now, on the Raiders' side of the ball, Derek Hart was actually pretty good for the second week in a row. 285 yards, three touchdowns in this one. Did get his uh, number one wide receiver back in Tyrell Williams. Only three catches, but did have 91 yards, a touchdown. Look, whenever this guy starts, he seems to score. And he's been out for a little while now with the plantar fasciitis. Comes back in this game, he picked up right where he left off and finding a touchdown. He's still not getting a ton of catches. He's still not getting a ton of targets. But he is one of the higher targeted receivers on the team. And he continues to be one of the better red zone threats. Now, the touchdown that he got was actually a 46-yarder in this game. He could have had a second one had he not dropped the ball, though. Hunter Renfro did have a big game in this one, but most of it came off of a 65-yard touchdown where the tackler just fell down. I don't expect that to see that happening. He really hasn't been fantasy relevant. This is the first game where he had been, and you didn't nobody was playing him at all whatsoever. He's not somebody I'm going to go out and pick up. The real disappointment was Darren Waller. Now, he gets you the touchdown, so he salvages the fantasy day, but... To be the leading targeted. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner pass catcher eight targets only get two catch for 11 yards texas did a good job taking him away they did a good job challenging him when every time the ball was thrown his way better days are definitely ahead for darren waller and like i said he still salvaged your day because he still found a way to get in the end zone for the second week in a row something he had not done so far this season Josh Jacobs was coming into this game banged up, but still got 15 carries, 66 yards, still tacked on two catches for 15 yards in the receiving game, so 17 touches in all, and that has been on the lower end of the amount of touches that he has seen over the past few weeks. He is truly a workhorse back. We'll see if he's able to get healthier and able to practice this week. He didn't practice at all last week, remember that. So hopefully he'll be able to practice this week, and then better days will be ahead for Josh Jacobs as he is one of my higher-end RB2s for the rest of the season as well. On the Texan side of the ball, Deshaun Watson was great for fantasy purposes. 279 yards, three touchdowns, but also tacked on 46 rushing yards 
always there to give himself a big floor. Had a really great game in this one, a top five quarterback performance. Carlos High went back to being the number one running back, and it wasn't close. 19 carries for 83 yards in this game was pretty efficient. Duke Johnson only had three carries. He did, however, get four catches for 33 yards and a touchdown in the receiving game. But that has not been consistent enough for me either. Duke Johnson is still a handcuff for me. Don't get too excited. I am not going to look forward for Duke Johnson to suddenly crop up in PPR leagues. The only guy who was disappointed for the Houston Texans was Kenny Stills. It was a good matchup, taking over the Will Fuller role. Only had three catches, 22 yards. But that is the Will Fuller role, right? There's going to be games where he's just not going to have a big performance. It's just going to be a bit of a bust. That's why he's a boomer bust type of player. Most of the time, in those type of situations, in those matchups, I'm going to take my chances that he's going to have a chance to catch a big one for me. So I'm still not worried about Kenny Stills. If you're looking to use him as that wide receiver three, that flex play to give you a home run threat in certain matchups, he's still going to be there as well. The guy who was not involved at all was Kiki Kute. DeAndre Carter seemed to play more for him. He only hit the one catch. It was the big catch, but it was only one catch in and of itself off of three targets. Darren Fells found the end zone twice in this game. Again, I still don't know who you can trust from week-to-week basis, Darren Fells or Jordan Atkins. It has been Darren Fells a little more so as of late, but Jordan Atkins is just as likely to come back next week with a two-touchdown performance. The big thing here is that the Titans are more involved, which is also taking away from some of the lesser wide receivers that aren't named DeAndre Hopkins, who once again was fantastic in this game as he seemingly has broken out of his slump. 13 targets, 11 catches, 109 yards. I expect to see him having more and more games like that moving forward. Last game that we're going to recap in this episode is the Sunday night game, which was the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. It was actually surprisingly a very good game. Matt Moore played really well. 24 of 36, 267 yards, two touchdowns, had streamability to him, had a solid game. And I pointed out in the preview episodes leading up to this game on Friday, look, Andy Reid has a history of getting good production out of his backup quarterbacks, especially if they're competent ones. And Matt Moore is that. Now, the reports so far are that Patrick Mahomes is expected to come back in week 10. I would not be surprised. Look, he practiced in limited capacity all week last week. The Chiefs lost this game again. They're 5-3. and three. You're in a tight competition with the Chargers and everyone else in the AFC. You're trying to get home field. I think they're in a situation where the Chiefs are, you know, they're not in desperate need for a win, but need a win more so going into next week than they initially did going into this week. And since Patrick Mahomes was able to practice in limited capacity last week and looked pretty good in warm-ups, he looked, they, showed him, they showed some video clips of him in warm-ups. He was moving around pretty well. Still not quite Patrick Mahomes-like, but definitely was moving around without pain, though, which is what you want to see. While they keep saying Week 10, it really would not shock me if suddenly Patrick Mahomes did more in practice than they were expecting to and came back in Week 9. We don't know for sure if that's going to happen, but I just wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Just to put that out there, just me reading the tea leaves of what I've seen and heard so far uh, this week. Big thing we got to talk about is the running back situation. So, LaShawn McCoy came in, was a starter. They were using him. He fumbled, and just like the last game he fumbled in, which was a couple weeks ago, got put into the doghouse. Which is kind of surprising with the rapport that him and Andy Reid have. But he did. He got put into the doghouse. Damian Williams winds up getting 7 carries for 30 yards. He's the one who winds up getting the touchdown. McCoy didn't see the game again after that. And I believe that fumble happened in about the third quarter. We'll see if that's going to continue the next week. Now the last time that happened, 
he was in the doghouse for us at a game. The following week, they came right back to him as a starting running back, and he was the main rusher by far. So they could come back next week and do the same thing, and he's just in the doghouse and has made up for it by this time. I don't know. But what I do know is that while McCoy was starting to look like a weekly flex guy, especially with no Patrick Mahomes, figuring they would have to lean on the running game a little bit more, A, they still threw the ball 36 times, so they weren't itching to lean on the running game. They only, they only ran the ball a total of 18 times from the running back position and split that amongst the three guys. So we're going to have to see what happens moving forward. Right now, LaShawn McCoy is still somebody you have to roster, but I don't know how much I'm going to love him moving forward unless we see him be able to reestablish himself and we know that he is the main runner for the team still moving forward. But we're not going to know that for another week. So we'll have to wait and see. But he's still somebody you're going to have to be able to keep on your benches. You cannot drop him as of yet. Now, the most important thing to take out of this game was that Tyreek Hill was still solid. Six catches, 76 yards. Travis Kelsey was good and actually found his second touchdown of the year. Four catches, 63 yards, a touch on eight targets. Sammy Watkins, while he didn't have a ton of yards, he was still targeted eight times, had five catches for 45 yards. So the big three who are the guys that you depend on, especially when Patrick Mahomes is in the game, to give you good fantasy production, were all still utilized, had good volume, and gave you hope moving forward that if we do have to go one more week before Patrick Mahomes is able to return, that Matt Moore can get the ball to the guys that you're depending on for fantasy purposes. Sammy Watkins actually isn't somebody you're depending on fantasy purposes because he's been out for the last couple of weeks. He hadn't been that great in the absence of Tyreek Hill, but... Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey especially, you're going to play these guys every single week. And to know that Watkins can maybe still have flex appeal with Matt Moore next week is definitely something good to know, especially since we're going to have such heavy bye weeks coming up now. 9, 10, 11, and 12 are brutal as far as the bye weeks go. So you're going to look for other options you wouldn't normally depend on. It's good to know that you can depend on these guys even in the absence of Patrick Mahomes. On the Packers side of the ball, Aaron Rodgers had another really great game. 305 yards, three touchdowns, tacked on 29 rushing yards. They're going back to Aaron Rodgers being the focal point of the offense, which is what they should do. And as a result, this team is 7-1 right now and looking fantastic. And this is all without Devontae Adams. Now, what's been the big key? The big key has been the running backs have been super involved in the passing game because it hasn't been the wide receivers in Devontae Adams' absence that have been impressive. It's been Aaron Jones. Seven catches, 159 yards, and two touchdowns. I repeat that. It was Aaron Jones, the running back, seven catches, 159 yards, and two touchdowns on eight targets. He shows why he's a natural pass catcher. He tacked on 13 carries for 67 yards. Of course, Jamal Williams is the one who gets the rushing end zone. He continues. He had two touchdowns in this game. He had the rushing touchdown. He also had a receiving touchdown. He continues to be flex-worthy. You can play Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams right now as long as Devontae Adams is out. Now, if Devontae Adams comes back, let's say he comes back this week, the volume that will be coming out of the running pack position will definitely get cut probably in half with Devontae Adams getting heavily targeted from Aaron Rodgers because you could tell he misses having Devontae out there. He misses that perimeter wide receiver. He misses him in the red zone. He's going to go to Devontae Adams come hell or high water when he comes back to playing this year. Whenever that's going to be, whether it's this week, whether it's two weeks from now, we don't know yet. We'll have to keep our eyes on the practice reports. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFshow. When that happens, the running backs being as involved as they are in the passing game will get cut in half. So then it might be just Aaron Jones is a low-end RB2 in that situation because most of his work has been through the passing game since Jamal Williams has come back from his injury. 
But until that happens, you could play both of these guys in your starting lineups right now. Absolutely can. They're getting enough playing time. They're involved enough. Jamal Williams, even when he has games where he's not as involved like the past two weeks as Aaron Jones, he's still getting touchdowns. That's still happening. So you can play both of them until Devontae Adams comes back, and then it's just Aaron Jones at that point because of his game-breaking ability. As far as wide receivers go, Alan Lazard, five catches, 42 yards. That's about it, though. Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez-Scantling both only had one catch apiece in this game. They weren't really utilized. Jimmy Graham, three catches, 20 yards. Kind of what we figured. You go back down to reality because he's just not Jimmy Graham anymore. So that wraps up the recap for week eight. We're going to take one last break, come back on the other side. We've got the waiver wire segment for you that we'll get through quickly as we don't want to go too long today, and then wrap up the episode. Tired of spending hours upon hours on research for your drafts, but still want the excitement of having something on the line while watching the game? Well, join the Thrive Fantasy app where they have streamlined the process for you to make it easy and fun to play along. Use promo code MDFF when you sign up with a $10 deposit and receive an additional $10 for free. Again, that's promo code MDFF. Now, of course, for the most important segment of the show, the waiver wire report as we put week eight to bed and look forward to week nine and what we have to do to get better for those matchups. Now, some of the guys on here are going to help us for this week, but some of the guys I'm going to talk about are actually stash guys for later on. These are going to be more guys that are for the teams that are sitting there at five and three, six and two, seven, one, maybe even eight and zero. Oh, if you are so lucky to still be undefeated so far this fantasy season. And these are the guys I'm going to talk about where stash these guys look from the play later on. They have some value possibly that you could take some wild cards on some, take some shots on because a lot of the players that were that are available on the waiver wire are not going to be guys you're necessarily going to want this week, right? They're going to be guys you're going to want later down the road. But let's start off with some guys that maybe you would want starting this week. And that's Mark Walton, the 27%. Like I said, the Miami Dolphin game is going on as we speak. Right now, it looks like Walton nor Kalen Balazs has really been worked in too much. But Walton should be a guy who might have some flex appeal. Kenyon Drake's been officially traded to the Cardinals, so he's out of there. So it's just going to be Walton and Balazs. And it should be Mark Walton, who I do think is the better running back of the two moving forward. Now, he is probably going to get some goal line carry stolen away from him because Kalen Balazs, they keep using him within the five-yard line, which is annoying, but he is the better pass catcher. He has a better chance to have a decent floor for you moving forward. Devontae Parker, 27%. Believe it or not, these Dolphin players are actually fantasy relevant, especially these these bye weeks coming up. Flex appeal, wide receiver twos, threes, Mark Walton's case, low in RB2, just plug and play. Guys that are going to be utilized and get enough touches to at least be serviceable. Devontae Parker's actually been scoring touchdowns as of late. And I'll just throw in the last off in there. Preston Williams, 13% owned. He's another guy you can play in. He's been getting six to eight targets a game. He's someone who's been able to provide you with a decent floor, especially in PPR leagues that you can throw in your flex spot and just get through a week if you need to. So these are all options for you. A.J. Brown, I know he didn't have a great game. He did have the touchdown. I do think that offense is just going to be a little bit better moving forward. I still think A.J. Brown is going to take over at this, some point this season as the lead guy. Pretty much had been to this point. People wanted to jump back on the Corey Davis bandwagon after he led the way in targets, but he still only had two more targets than A.J. Brown did a week ago. So it wasn't like he was that far ahead then. 
I do think AJ Brown is somebody who just he just presents good upside because he's, he's been getting the touchdowns. And then being that he got one this week with Ryan Tannehill, I do think you can have some confidence that that will continue to move forward, and he's only 25% owned. Next guy is a shot in the dark, Raheem Mostert. 6% owned only. Matt Breida got a little banged up in this game. We'll see if he's able to come back on a short week. Raheem Mostert got a little bit banged up in this game too, but he does expect to be back and ready to go. We'll have to keep our eyes on the practice report as we get closer. If Matt Breida can't go, Raheem Mostert will have a role in this offense against Arizona on Thursday, enough so that he could be a flex appeal. So he's definitely contingent on Matt Breida not being able to play, but he is somebody I would keep my eye on if that is the case to be able to pick up and start this week. Now the rest of these guys on this list are pretty much stash plays. And that's Josh Gordon at 47%. Look, The reports, right as of now, he is on the IR for the Patriots. But the reports are, the Patriots are, at this moment, expected to go ahead and put Josh Gordon on waivers in a week or two, let him, and let him go, basically. He is not actually hurt for the rest of the season. So, it will be interesting to see. If they actually do with with what now they're expected to do, which is cut him, he would have to go through waivers. But if they were to cut him... He could wind up playing somewhere else this season and still be in a situation where he could be a number one wide receiver for a team, depending on who picks him up off of waivers or find himself in a really great situation. The one that springs to my mind would be fantastic if he wound up on the Saints because you have Michael Thomas. You can take some of the pressure off of Michael Thomas. They don't really have a second wide receiver, and that offense is starving for a second pass catcher, or a second wide receiver, I should say. A second pass catcher would be Alvin Kamara when he comes back, but starving for a second wide receiver. I think he would do well in that system. I think he could be somebody you could play in the fantasy playoffs in that system. So there's going to be opportunities there where I would go ahead and pick up Josh Gordon if you're in a position to be able to sit there and hold him and don't necessarily need a player to help you win this week. Next guy who's kind of the same boat is Cam Newton. I do think Cam Newton's going to get his job back. I don't. Kyle Allen has fizzled off in his production. While they've been able to be competitive and they've won some games with him starting, he's fizzled off enough in his production where I don't think there can be a clear-cut argument made that Kyle Allen is that much better than Cam Newton. You can make all the arguments you want to that you think Kyle Allen's a better thrower. The fact of the matter is Cam Newton's really not that far off as far as his numbers go, and He's a much better, if he's 100% healthy, especially in his legs, he's a much better playmaker, which is more what this offense can need because outside of Christian McCaffrey, they have not had an easy time being able to make plays, period. So I don't think it's a clear-cut case that Kyle Allen's going to be the guy. I do think they're giving him one more week to see. If he doesn't have a great performance again this week or if they lose the game this week, I do think you're going to see Cam Newton as soon as week nine. So I would pick up Cam Newton if you're in that streaming quarterback situation because there's a very real chance he could come back. And like I said, if he's 100% healthy, we'll see him run around again. And I'll make him back to fantasy relevancy. So just another guy to kind of stash. Following along that same line of thinking, Darius Geis, 29% owned. He could be back this week. He's going to be back at practice. Was back at practice a week ago. He might be able to come back this week, maybe week 10. But Darius Geis does look like he's on the mend. I'm not a big fan of Darius Geis, but if you're going to be a starting running back in the NFL, and because the Redskins have nothing, might just thrust him into a workhorse role just to see what he can do. Because really, as to this point, you still don't know what Darius Geis can do. He's only played one game. So they may thrust him to a workhorse role just to see what he can do. You got to play with it. You got to at least have a starting running back in the NFL on your radar which is what I would have here. Outside of that, 
Oh, and last up, Nikhil Harry. 12% owned. He could be back at week 11. Or maybe it's week 10. But he could be back soon. I do think he'll be a starter when he comes back. Patriots are starving for an outside wide receiver who can produce consistently. I think he could be that guy even as a rookie, especially in the red zone. He could offer that threat. So I think Nikhil Harry is somebody you can go ahead and pick up and maybe find yourself with a high-end wide receiver three with touchdown upside quite possibly if he's able to fill that role the way that I think he could. The last guy I want to talk about is Daryl Henderson. I think he's made a case at this point. Yes, Malcolm Brown's been the guy who's been hurt for the past couple of weeks, so that's why Daryl Henderson's been the handcuff to Todd Gurley. But I think Daryl Henderson's already shown you more as far as an actual talent and playmaking ability standpoint, where I think he should be the handcuff moving forward, even when Malcolm Brown comes back healthy. So if you're a Todd Gurley owner, I would try to own Daryl Henderson right now over Malcolm Brown. I think he's shown more at this point. And even if Todd Gurley were to get hurt, we know it would be a committee. We know Henderson would have the passing down role, which is more important in fantasy purposes. So I would go, I would pick up Daryl Henderson if I'm a Todd Gurley owner. That wraps up the waiver wire report. That wraps up the episode. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Remember, we will be back on Thursday and Friday with our week nine preview episodes. Make sure you're checking me out on Twitter at MDSFF Show for all those player news update notifications. Check me out on Facebook at MDFF Show or on the website www.mdffshow.com for all the rankings. Of course, you can contact me with all of your fantasy questions through any one of those social media platforms make sure you're checking out one of my networks especially belly up fantasy sports as i am running the twitter account on there with all the news breaks that we've been having and of course we're getting involved in more than just football so if you play fantasy basketball or hockey we're starting to get articles written out there getting great writers in the building to be able to take on those topics of conversation just a little fyi for you there but we've also been every sunday morning 9 a.m start starting all of your star sick questions, getting to those, answering those, being helpful for those. We're all there for you there. And of course, make sure you're checking out Unwrapped Sports Network, which I do the sportscaster videos for, and check out Overtime Heroics as well. I hope you guys all have a lovely day, and I will see you all Thursday. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 